0: Mary Higgins' problems began the day after Halloween. Some of the color of the world seemed to have drained out overnight, and the first of November was a gray, dreary sort of day. The wind blew a little bit colder than it had 24 hours ago, and the leaves that it blew across the sidewalks crunched a little bit less underfoot. Daylight savings time now over, it began to get dark a little after 4pm, and it was just after dark before Mary Higgins had a chance to make herself dinner, that the stranger showed up on her doorstep. She was in the living room watching TV when her doorbell rang. As she opened her door, there he was. A tall man, easily above six feet, wearing a skeleton mask that covered his entire head. He was carrying a pillowcase, and the black eye sockets of the mask were staring at her. He said nothing for a time, and for a time he did not move. Hello, can I help you? Mary asked. Trick or treat, the man's voice muffled by the mask. I think you're a little late, my friend. The man cocked his head just a few degrees, studying Mary. Then he held out the pillowcase with both hands, opening it. Trick or treat, he said. I'm sorry, but you're too old to be doing this, Mary said. Good night and she closed the door. Mary did not take her hand off the door handle right away. She waited for the man to leave, but she did not hear him go. She pressed her ear to the door, but she did not even hear him moving. Slowly, silently, Mary locked the door. Still, she waited for him to leave, and still, she did not hear him go. She tried to silence her own breathing. Then so slight as to be almost imperceptible, Mary felt the door handle moving under her hand. It was turning, just barely, impossibly slowly. The handle turned until it hit the lock, gently, and then turned back. Mary held her breath. Finally, out a window in the adjacent room, she saw the man walking down her driveway and back towards the street. She let out a sigh and went to the window to watch him leave. She peered out the side so that just the top of her head was visible in the window. The man had stopped at her mailbox and was placing something inside. Mary shuddered. The man closed her mailbox and turned back, as if to take one last look at the house. He stood there for nearly a minute more and then walked off down the street. Mary craned her neck and watched him grow smaller and smaller until he melted away into the late autumn darkness. She locked all of her doors after that, but found herself unable to focus on the TV she'd been watching. When the volume was up, she grew nervous that it might be covering the sounds of someone prowling around her backyard or climbing through a window. When she turned the volume off, her nerves got the best of her, and she grew more frightened with each passing second, until finally she would say something out loud, anything, just to fill the silence and assert her presence. She tried to mask her fear for anyone who might have been listening, of course she knew no one was she had trouble sleeping that night too she lay awake in bed analyzing the sound of each passing car and every gust of wind against the side of the house until finally she fell asleep a little before three the next morning broke sunny and cool outside the birds were chirping and for a moment upon waking up mary forgot the sense of cold dread and paralyzing fear that had consumed her the night before she sat up in bed stretching and yawning and feeling more or less normal until the memory of the stranger came flooding back. And after that, it took a great deal of willpower for her to get up out of bed and go around her house, checking each room, every closet, all of the doors and windows to make sure that nobody had snuck in while she was sleeping. Everything seemed normal. Nothing was unlocked, and there was nobody in the house but her. She sighed and relaxed. It was Saturday, so Mary had nothing to do and nowhere to go. She spent most of the day floating around her house, catching up on various chores and generally trying to keep herself busy. Still, she found herself unusually scatterbrained and increasingly frustrated with her apparent inability to focus as the day progressed. She lost the remote to the TV and spent 20 minutes turning her living room inside out and looking for it. She spilled coffee on herself and then poured a bowl of cereal for a late breakfast before realizing that she had no milk. She made up her mind to go to the store to pick up some, but she couldn't find her keys. They weren't on the key rack or on the kitchen table or in her purse. Eventually, she found them on the passenger seat of her car. Mary went to the store, bought the milk, and had her cereal. As she watched TV, she could feel the stress leaving her body like a coil inside of her was slowly unwinding. Before long, Afternoon turned to dusk and the shadows in her living room grew long as the sun began to dip behind the trees and rooftops across the street. The gnawing sense of dread from the night before returned and began to grow deep in Mary's stomach, but she did her best to ignore it. She was upstairs in her bedroom folding laundry when the dread began to become unmanageable. Her usual methods for beating it back failed and before long it became overwhelming. She felt it in her bones, and she found herself unable to even fold another shirt. She made up her mind to go to the window, if only to assure herself that there was nobody out there. Her legs did not want to move, but eventually she gathered up enough conviction to open the blinds to the windows overlooking her front yard. The man in the skeleton mask was back. He stood at the foot of her driveway, head tilted up just slightly, black mesh eye holes fixed on her. She let out an audible gasp. She felt an icy chill spread through her body as she stepped back from the window. A moment later, she heard a knock on her front door. Firefly kicked in and she raced downstairs. She went to the window nearest her front door and looked out. What do you want? She yelled. He turned to look at her, his movements slow and unnervingly calm, and held out the pillowcase. Trick or treat. Knock it off. Go away or I'll call the cops. As the words left her mouth, Mary realized she'd left her phone plugged in upstairs. The man continued to stare at her, like he was waiting for her to do it. Then he turned his head back and knocked on the door again. Mary checked to make sure the door was locked and ran back to her room, taking the stairs two at a time, and grabbed her phone. She took it to the window with her, and when she looked outside, she saw the man walking away. He did not stop this time. Nor did he turn around. He walked down the street, turned a corner, and was gone. Mary found her ex-husband's phone number and her contacts and called it. A man's voice on the other end, gruff. Mary? Bill? What's up? I know it's you. A long pause. What? Knock it off, or I mean it. I'm going to call the cops. I have no idea what you're talking about. Just, just grow up. Mary hung up the phone in disgust and went back to the window. Her yard and the street beyond it were both empty, fuzzy with the dim, sterile glow of the streetlights. She sat up that night in bed trying to read a book, reading the same paragraphs over and over, casting furtive glances now and then at the kitchen knife she'd placed on her nightstand. She got up often to go and look out the window, but nobody was ever there. She would turn off the lights and press her face to the glass and cup her hands there, And sometimes, in the inky blackness at the edge of her seeing, she thought she saw the figure of a man forming, but nobody ever came. Sometime after midnight, she managed to fall into a fitful, uneasy sleep. It was around three in the morning when she woke up, and was immediately on edge with the unmistakable feeling that she was not alone. She turned on her bedside light, but the feeling of another presence still haunted her. Something dark, something near. Then came the sound from downstairs. A creaking noise, ever so slight, like someone walking across a certain spot on the kitchen floor. It could have just been the house settling. Mary knew the house to make dozens of various groans and sighs every day that she otherwise paid no attention to. The little noises like that had become much more apparent since she'd been living alone, though the house much quieter now. Mary's nerves and current mental state being what they were, she could not let this particular noise pass. She grabbed the knife and cautiously headed downstairs, flipping every light switch on as she went. She went room to room once more, but found no one. She was alone, every door and window locked. Still, she left every light on until well after the sun had risen and she made her morning coffee. Sunday progressed much the same way as Saturday. The inevitable coming of evening hung over her and everything she tried to do to distract herself like a dark cloud. She watched each hour pass with a growing sense of anxiety. Some part of her knew, was absolutely certain, that when the sun set, the man in the skeleton mask would be outside of her house once more. Footsteps on the sidewalk, people walking their dogs, struck fear into her throughout the day, her nerves fraying. After lunch, someone knocked on her door and Mary screamed. She went to her door, but it was only a woman canvassing for one of the mayoral candidates in the upcoming election. Mary talked to her for a while, glad to have the company, before the woman eventually had to leave to knock on other doors. Sure enough, the man in the skeleton mask reappeared again that night. Mary stared out her living room window at him, standing in the middle of her lawn, pillowcase in hand. The streetlight cast strange, demented shadows across his masked face. No cars passed on the street behind him. Inside, Mary had all of her lights off and her phone in hand. Every muscle in her body tensed. He held out the pillowcase, and though she couldn't hear him, she could see his mask moving just so, and she knew what he was saying. Trick or treat. She heard it in her head just as clearly as if he was in the room with her. She trembled at the thought and tried to cast it out of her mind. Go away, she muttered to herself. Something inside of her snapped and she stormed to her door. She unlocked it and grabbed the plastic bowl that was sitting on the table near there. It held all of her leftover Halloween candy, mostly things that none of the kids had wanted. Whoppers, Tootsie Rolls, mounds. She stepped stepped onto her porch and grabbed a handful from the bottom of the bowl and hurled them at the tall man on her lawn. Leave me alone, she cried. The man had turned to face her, and he stood motionless as the fistfuls of candy rained down around him. She grabbed more and threw it at him. You want your candy? Here you go, you fucking baby. Take all the candy. She threw it until the bowl was empty, and then chucked the bowl at him. It missed him by several feet, and he did not move. For a long moment, Mary and the man stood in place, watching each other. Then, slowly, the man bent down and picked up an Almond Joy off the lawn. He held it in his fingers, examining it, and then pried the bottom of his mask up with two fingers and popped the chocolate into his mouth, still in the wrapper. He let the mask fall back into place as he chewed. Mary watched, her face contorted in disgust and confusion. Eventually the tall man gulped it down. He carefully picked a few more pieces off the grass and placed them in his pillowcase. Then. With no apparent urgency, he turned and walked away. Mary called 911 and the police came to her house that night, but they had no answers for her. They told her to call them immediately the next time she saw the man. After they left, Mary called her friend, Nora, who agreed to come over and spend the night with her. It was the first time she'd been around another person for more than a few minutes in several days and the company felt good, put her somewhat at ease. Monday morning came and Nora had to leave for work. Mary thanked her for coming and saw her off, and then went inside and called in sick to her own job. The sleepless nights were catching up with her, and she was starting to feel sick. She repeated this to herself, almost trying to will herself ill. In the back of her head, she knew. She was scared to leave her house, and scared to leave it unattended. No matter how much the man in the skeleton mask frightened her, she was at least safe inside. She wanted to stay home and monitor the doors and windows. Watched them to make sure nobody had a chance to slip in. The prospect of coming home after work to a dark house that had gone unwatched for eight hours was simply too much for her to face. And so she stayed home. She spent most of the morning watching various talk shows and making breakfast. She felt better than she had all weekend, somehow in control of the situation. Seeing Nora seemed to have better her spirits as well. As long as the sun was shining, she felt secure, and she felt herself. A few minutes before noon, she saw the mail truck come by. She waited for it to move along, and then she slipped on a pair of sandals and went down her driveway to the mailbox. She grabbed the day's mail, a magazine, some junk, a few bills, and a letter from her old college, and went to close the mailbox when something caught her eye. A manila envelope, crumpled and shoved into the far back reaches. She stuck her hand in and pulled it out. There was no postage and no return address. In fact, it wasn't even addressed to her. The only marking on the envelope was the word trick, scrawled large across the front in black marker. Mary placed the strange envelope on top of the rest of her mail and hurried inside, locking the door behind her. She dumped everything on the kitchen table and grabbed the manila envelope, examining it. It felt empty. She opened it up and something small and shiny slid out and fell to the table with a metallic clang. Her heart began to race. She picked it up and sure enough, it was her house key.